the podcast we just did off air <laughs> would have been good. That would have gone over well, honestly. <laughs> That'd have got a lot of downloads, I think. That definitely would have been good. JD Bunkus. Um, I got Joe Bosch here, Simon Douglas. How's your guys' brackets, Simon? Terrible. Awful. Couldn't be worse. <laughs> Murdered. Death. I have Arizona. I think, yeah, I had Arizona win. So my bracket was done within... Perfect. Yeah, 25 minutes? Yeah, it was just done. Love it. It was just done. I yeah. will say, though, that my actual betting has been pretty good. Mm, just the overall bracket is yeah, not... Hedged no, against, bracket, against yourself? Well, <laughs> the thing about the bracket is, though, that's not the games that you really bet on too much. Now, I'm never betting Arizona to cover 26 points yeah, yeah, yeah. against Princeton. Those are never the bets I make. Yeah, I'm true. always a guy who likes the close... the the. The coin toss games puts together a little underdog or a little short faves mm-hmm. parlay. Love that. I did lose a huge parlay with Memphis as the very last leg. Oh, and with that call too. Yes, mm. that turnover. The, at the end of the Memphis game, for those of you that didn't see it, yeah, their veteran guard gets scrambled egg brains yep. <laughs> and throws the ball up the floor to no, like right to FAU. They turn it over. Yeah. And the kid gets full possession. Yeah. They get the ball back. Miracle Memphis. And the ref loses his mind. And they tried to call a timeout. Yeah, like and he the calls thing. a jump ball yeah. when th- there was no one even no, within Memphis, the vicinity. He was laying on top of the ball. FAU was trying to jump on yeah. him. And then FAU scores a layup yeah. to win. And I just kind of sat there with... <laughs> I, but here's how you know I've been crushing it with bets. I sat there. I was really pissed. And it went away in two seconds because I went, you know, that one was all just gravy anyways because I've been <laughs> up. But, oh, my God, I have – I've been stapled. I, I I have watched – basically the only break I have taken from college basketball was to watch the Leafs on Saturday mm-hmm. and then the Raptors a little – well, I didn't watch a little bit. I watched a shocking amount of the Raptors on Sunday. I watched the whole game. Mm, yeah. I kept thinking – some just Raptors lay down in the streets and die in this game. <laughs> they, oh, like, they, stuck around in that game. they were awesome in that they game. They stuck around. They were really awesome in that game. Yeah. So anyway, my bracket is busted. I am going to talk about the Raptors. I'm going to talk about the Leafs. I got all kinds of different stuff today. I'm uh, going to have Luke Thomas on later in the hour at the end of it just to recap the UFC as well, which got second screen treatment for me. Wow. Well, I had to. Uh, that's true. During that's, the Leafs. that's true. That's a good point. I was a little distracted during that Leafs game. I will not lie. I, I hand up. <laughs> I'm not sure that was my very best Leafs talk that I've ever done. <laughs> I had like a thousand bets going hey, I on. I thought it was good. I thought it was good. I also had that fight going to decision, which was a big one. But yeah, but my bracket is dead. Yeah. The bets are solid. I've been absolutely loving our friends at Botano, mm-hmm. who have given me a million different things to bet on. Early payout, by the way. Yeah. For Botano. Huge. Tasty. Very Love solid that. book. Very important for <laughs> JD. <laughs> Uh, and especially the worst though, is when you get so close to the early payout and then the other team storms back and you go, this is the worst omen. Yeah. <laughs> this is the karma. worst. I was right the there. Universe. It was a point away. And now it's a tie game essentially. <laughs> uh, okay. So yeah, I got ratioed also on Twitter. I witnessed it. You witnessed it. I Did witnessed you enjoy it. it? Do you enjoy seeing me get ratioed? No, so I, I, I opened the app and yeah. I saw your initial tweet and it had like two replies and one like. It was like right when you sent it. Mm-hmm. And then closed the app, went back like half an hour later and then it was like 30 replies, 15 mm-hmm. likes. I was like, oh no. Oh yeah. So it got I, ratioed hard. Yeah. It was after the Purdue game and I yeah. stand by it and I wanted to start today with this take. I, I don't like seeing the 16 seed knock off the one seed. And in most cases, I don't even like it when the two knocks off the or gets knocked off by the 15 simply because 
those teams aren't going to win the tournament. And I'd rather watch a team like Purdue with Zach Eady. I'm not watching college basketball year. None of us are, right? And all I can think is these awesome college basketball teams that I've been waiting all year to essentially watch make a deep run and get to know their team, blah, 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 blah. They're bounced in round one to a team that I know is not going to have a chance at winning. But here's actually the main part for me. I think that the shame... And this is where I'm a human, okay? The rest of you guys are scum. <laughs> the, rest of you people, the rest of you people out there Ugh. are trash. It is fun watching those games, and I am obviously rooting, going, I can't believe this is going to happen. You, part of you wants to see it. I'm not completely just hoping that Purdue drubs FDU <laughs> yeah. and that it's an embarrassment for those kids, and you go, oh, what was even the point of this game? I, I like that there can be some randomness. I'm just saying that when it happens, and I see those Purdue kids leaving the floor, I'm going... First of all, that Purdue program, first team in, I think, NCAA history that has been a top three seed to lose to a... a double-digit seed? Yeah, three years. Four, four years in a row, three well, years in a row Yeah, last year, last year they lost, I think, as a three seed to a 15 seed. It was a 14 seed. 14 yeah, seed, 14 yeah. Seed. I think that might be it. And then this year, obviously, the, the one to the 16. Yeah. The Purdue sh- lost to St. Peter's last year. Yeah. Yeah, the, the Peacocks. 15. Yeah, it's the 15 seed. Yeah, it was 13, 15, and 16 in the last oh, three years. That's pouchy. That's bad. <laughs> that's bad. <laughs> Yikes. Oh, that's, I don't, that, that's the kind of thing that's such a bad streak that next year when they go into the tournament. Just bet against them. Just well, fade. Yeah, Just I fade. Should have been faded. I, I bet I went with them deep in my bracket because I, they had Zach Eady. They mm-hmm, were basically sure. Team Canada. But. <laughs> True. I think the shame that those kids feel, where they put together a spectacular season where they were the best teams in the entire country, yeah. right? This amazing year for these collegiate athletes who are top tier, mm-hmm. who are heavily recruited. They get to this place. They're at Purdue. A lot of seniors on the team. And what ends up happening? You lose to a team that had one fluky, awesome performance. And so I'm happy for the kids that upset them. I recognize that it's a fun moment. I'm not just sitting there completely upset about it. Mm-hmm. But I don't love that those kids feel that level of just shame. And people go, oh, just play better. Okay, sure. But to have your entire legacy as a college basketball player, most of these guys are never going to see the NBA. Zach Eady is projected to be, what, a second-round pick? Yeah. Maybe? Yeah. Late? He was dominant and amazing. They lost that game because they didn't give him the ball more. Their guards decided the to The guards do. did nothing. Yeah, the guards the of were the horrible. <laughs> yeah. Horrible. Tough luck for them. I don't like that their entire lives, essentially, will be defined by the fact that they lost. And I don't think that the inverse of the 16 seed beating them is the upside of that is people are like, oh, my God, you're on that FDU team that beat the one versus 16. What happened to you guys? Oh, you lost the very next round <laughs> to Florida Atlantic? Oh, right. That's forgotten. That will go away. We'll remember that one game. But five years from now, you are not going to remember any of the kids' names that were on FDU. And I challenge anybody to remember anybody that was on the Retrievers that beat Virginia. UMBC. Yeah, you guys. Yeah, no, I got nothing. No, got nothing. Of course not. But everyone remembers that Virginia team forever and ever and ever as the first team to lose to the 16 seed. I actually liked that one. I will lie. <laughs> but that was because it was the first time I ever saw yeah, it. I yeah. went, wow, I'm glad I saw one of these. You're one of one. This time around, all I could see was those Purdue kids going off the floor and thinking, your entire basketball careers that have all been excellent are now defined by this singular horrific moment. You play that team a hundred times. They beat you once. Once. Yeah, yeah. And it Maybe just twice. happened. And now your life as a basketball player has this incredibly embarrassing note to it where whenever you bring it up to anyone, oh, yeah. even a casual, yep. even your grandmother <laughs> would be like, you're very tall. 
Who did you did you play basketball? Yes, I played for Purdue. Oh, t- were you guys good? We lost to the 16 seed. <laughs> we were the second team ever. We, we, is, that sounds really bad. Yeah, <laughs> you guys must have been kind of chokers and bad. Well, then you had to spin it. Be like, oh no no, 16 like in the country, like number 16. It also makes for a worse tournament because let's be honest. Did anybody have FDU and Florida Atlantic high on the docket last night as a bunch of good games were being played and there were teams that could I win the it, tournament? I watched it, but no, I didn't. Yeah, know. come on. I watched it, but. So two points on your take. Mm-hmm. One, vehemently disagree okay, with you. Yes, so do <laughs> hey, I. So do I. Good. That's fine. Yeah. That's fine. This is the marketplace the of ideas here. I, I will say that. So I just immediately, once I start to get ratioed into the oblivion, <laughs> I, I just mute. Because most of the comments just become people who are so angry. Some people got like way too personal, and I was like, okay, well, like, relax. That, that's the thing. I, I'll just immediately mute these things because I go, "Who are you? Where?" <laughs> and and obviously, I think I yeah, that was Friday night, right? Uh, yeah, it was Friday night. Yeah, so yeah. obviously I'd had a few, and I'm having some fun, and I'm they watching much Madness, and I'm with some well, friends. It's Friday and, night. Yeah, and I fire that off, and I'm just this is an innocuous fun. <laughs> I don't. Hey, you guys are all having a great time. Have your great time. But yes, people turn, some people just get so angry. But this happens with every single sports take where you go, who are you creatures getting (laughs) so upset? Yeah, coming out of nowhere and just coming so hard. But yeah, I understand that the whole tournament is built around the Cinderella story and the underdog. So anyway, so anyway, go on, Simon. Well, so my big thing is like, I, the thing that makes March Madness for me is the, the chaos of everything. In it, not just the Cinderella thing, but even so like chaotic. even the thing that you were saying about the like the Memphis the end of the Memphis game, right? Like, I love that yeah. the tournament has horrible shot selection, horrible decision making, horrible refereeing. Like, it's just like yeah. an absolute mess. Well, the end so, of the Virginia like, game too. Kihei Clark just throwing up a Jameis yeah. Winston pass insane. and selling insane. the game. He could have done anything else, yeah, and no. he decided to blindly <laughs> heave it. Yeah. It was like lay down with the basketball. It was unbelievable. Yeah. He could have done anything. Take yeah. the five seconds. Like, yeah. he could have done anything. He could have gone the fetal position. It was yeah, incredible in the game. And, like, I just love that here's a tournament. And, like, it's one of those things where, like, you know, you'll have those guys who, like, act like they're experts and be like, what do you mean you didn't have Furman, you idiot? And, like, I'm fine with that. Pound your chest when you get something right. Like, I had Purdue winning it. Obviously, my bracket is completely yeah. garbage. But, like, hey, we're all, we're well, all having fun. Unless, I guess, you're getting ratioed on Twitter. I, but, like, but, I, but, again, I could not care less about being ratioed on Twitter. I think it's usually funny. And I, yeah. every once in a while, too, someone will land one on you that I will that will make me laugh. Where <laughs> yeah, I say, yeah. that's funny. I tip the cap. When someone gives me a response that is uh, hilarious, I what I hate is what, now we've just got this culture of just, like, horrible take. It's yeah, like, yeah. say why. Or, like, yeah. commenting ratio. Yeah, or so any, like any, yeah, anything yeah. anything along <laughs> those lines is pretty L. much an immediate mute for me because I go, okay, thank you for your contribution <laughs> of just this is a bad take. It's so okay. like, if you want to enter in a debate, actually yeah. give me a reason yeah, yeah, and yeah. I can talk to you about so it. So I get the chaos thing, and I, it's funny because... I didn't watch any NBA basketball outside of a little bit of the Warriors-Memphis game. Mm-hmm. I didn't watch a single second of the Raptors-Minnesota game. Yeah. That was gone. That was poof. I watched about 10. They won. <laughs> I have no <laughs> idea. I watched the entire Bucks raptors game, though. Mm-hmm. And watching Bucks raptors it is so funny. Just you appreciate, A, we all forget how big NBA players are. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Because we watch it all the time. And then when you're watching college and Kansas State has Noel out there, who's dropping (laughs) massive, huge game from that Noel kid against Kentucky. I don't know if you guys saw that one, but what a player. He's maybe five, eight. (laughs) And he just carried his Kansas State team to a victory with like 20... 
maybe 25 points, huge in a college basketball game, right? And he's raining down threes, and he's getting the rim, and he's trash talking. He was awesome. Then you flip over, and there's Giannis Antetokounmpo, and you go, oh, my God, <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Right. Each of these teams has a couple of big skinny guys, and, yeah, they're built like you, Douglas. <laughs> Marquise yeah. Noel's 5'8". Yeah, he's 5'8", yeah, right? Eight. He's 5'8", Marquise Noel, and he's dominating yeah. out there. And you're just watching the NBA and saying, this is insane that you've collected all the best of these players that we're watching in this tournament and you have to be just a freak a specimen to do this the shot selection you're right just so much mm -hmm. better the way teams play so much more composed the intensity so much worse actually the Raptors game was pretty decent but even in the first half you just see yeah. some of these college kids getting in on defense every single oh, play yeah. they care so much momentum is so big in college yes for sure you can just feel it with the other team they put together a 6-0 run and one group can look like their world is falling apart. Oh, yeah. You're like, they'll never hit a shot yeah. again. Well, I texted with Daniele, who also had Arizona, to win the tournament. I, I texted him that Arizona was going to lose the game when they were up still maybe six. I said, this is mm -hmm. over. Yeah. They are dead because all of their players, they're just passing the ball around the perimeter. Oh, yeah. no one, Nobody yeah. wants to do it. And then they're getting it to their big guy who's their surefire bucket all year long, and mm -hmm. he's just rimming out push shots yeah. <laughs> from eight feet away and he's not getting a whistle and they're starting to get the shoulders slouched. I couldn't believe their coach didn't make a timeout and sub mm -hmm. somebody in. Cause you just got to bring in a, a live you human. Something's got to change and you could just see it building, building, building. And then the other team, every time the ball's going up, they're not even boxing out. They're just staring at it, waiting for <laughs> doom to end. They're just, Oh, there's the bomb. Here it comes. Yeah. The well, same thing happened with uh, Houston and Auburn, too. Houston was like down 10 in the first half. Get yeah. the momentum all of a sudden hang what 41 in the yeah. second half. I, I I love the chaos. I'm with yeah, you about yeah. the chaos. It's just that is where I would say if I had my druthers give me this, the one seed winning and going deeper than round one yeah, basically yeah. every single time. I'll take the chaos in all the other games. It's enough for me to watch, yeah, every year 12 seeds upset. Yeah. Every year 13 seeds. Yeah. You know, there's usually a competitive game. We had the Paladins game, the Furman game where I went, this is awesome. Even the Princeton game, I... Princeton is wildly underseeded. For they, sure. They oh, won yeah. their two good. games. They're a good team. Yeah, they're good. Yes. At Missouri's least they, not bad either. Exactly. Like. When I, they beat Arizona, they beat them in a way that wasn't just completely fluky. They yeah. were actually a solid team. They went on, they beat Missouri. Same thing. I go dominated hey, Missouri. This this isn't this isn't bad. Yeah. What I yeah, the flukiness of the and the randomness of just a bunch of bad plays. It's fun in the moment. I I would just rather watch a good, solid See, team my, go forward my and not have them that. feel the shame. My yeah. counter to that though is I since it happens so, so uncommon, like it's so rare for that to happen that I would gladly trade a little bit of quality to see a little bit of history and watch it live. That's yeah. my whole thing. Like, I, I I agree with your point that obviously you want to see better basketball later but in the is tournament. is it positive history? That's what I'm saying. Is this is. positive or is this negative history? It is because if you look I at the emotion from the FDU players and the fact that it's so sure. rare, like, heartbreak is a part of sports. Like, you know how you always have, like, the glory and those yeah. are the moments that go crazy and those are the moments that, like, trend on YouTube and TikTok, whatever. RIP TikTok, by the way, unfortunately. Yeah. But the other side of that is the heartbreak. <laughs> yeah, yeah, fortunately. The other side of that is the heartbreak and the pain. And, like, yeah, it sucks watching Purdue walk off the court like completely in despair but that's also why that's it's what makes sports so beautiful is like there's two sides of it that's what makes sports so beautiful yes. Tell two sides emotion anyway. <laughs> hold on emotion i would say that fdu okay those guys just making the tournament okay. is incredible for them that's the thing. Fair. They fair. show up in that tournament and they are going oh my god we made We're it here. here. We're on the big stage. We are 
playing Purdue. Yeah. Yeah, them winning is fun. It's an incredible moment. It is very fun. Yes. Both sides, he says. Okay, <laughs> Trump Jr. <laughs> I know what I'm saying, like, <laughs> both sides of the emotion. <laughs> Why did you oh, fucking Joe, pin that on me? Young Joe with his uh, very eloquent take. But that's, why we, that's why we good. watch sports. Is yeah. like Sports stakes are great. Yeah. That's what I say. So what and you're trying so to say rare. is stakes, and the stakes are higher when a one seed can lose to a 16 seed, yes. of course. And that does create for engaging and interesting viewership in the moment. All I'm saying is when it's all said and done, mm-hmm. I do feel as though I want to see the better teams advance. I want to see the better players advance in a lot of different cases. I don't get to watch these guys all year long. No one's really watching college sports here. Mm-hmm. There's obviously some hardos that watch a ton of college basketball. I don't get to see that all year. That's why Alabama wins. They're my favorite team to watch. My God, yeah, uh, yeah. them or Houston, they're both one seeds. Mm-hmm. Those are the two. The only two I really left. liked Marquette. That game was really fun yesterday. Yeah. That Marquette Michigan yeah. State game was probably to me the game of the day. Yeah, but Houston gets their two top guards in horrific foul trouble, and they're down and they're injured. Yep, and they get this kid named Trayvon Marks, and he just starts dropping. Buckets, mid-range bucket after <laughs> mid-range bucket. And I'm losing my mind having fun and saying, this is really entertaining to me. Watch multiple guys who can get to their spots on the floor and create interesting, awesome baskets. They're not just running a system. It's not mm-hmm. just a fluke. It's not just the other team performing poorly. They are creating their own luck. And we're seeing what this team is. Alabama, what do you see? Same thing. I really like Xavier too. I never know if it's Xavier or Xavier. I say Xavier. I know. I, I but that's maybe just because it's a Canadian like, move, though. Yeah, I think the Americans Xavier, go Xavier. 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 I don't know. Xavier? Yeah. Oh, boy. We're twisting our heads. I here. know. But either way, <laughs> I like their team because they got a bunch of seniors. They know how to play together. They got a couple of different shot makers. It's, they're fun. Mm-hmm. I like those kind of teams going deep. Yeah. I like some familiarity. I like seeing the Blue Bloods. That's who I have. There's no Kansas anymore. There's no Duke. Duke sucked. Yeah. That, that was, Duke team yeah, was that horrific. Was that was bad. Well, who are your guys? That was Duke bad. With your they, best player is a guy named Roach who's smaller than me. <laughs> Duke? Duke? What's happened? Duke, Duke had that little run at the end of the season. Everyone's like, they're back. No. And then just go and get smoked by a Tennessee. There's no Kansas. There's no Duke. There's no Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Who else is out? Virginia's well, also Well, UNC gone. didn't make the tournament. Yeah, Virginia's yeah, also Yeah, Arizona gone. gets knocked out. Anyway, it's felt very death of the blue bloods which to me is fine. I don't really mind that so it. much. But there is something to be said for a bit of familiarity. That's why I liked watching last night the Gonzaga game where there's Drew Timmy Drew. in year eight of college <laughs> yeah. somehow, yeah. and he's just dominating. It took me back to my childhood Dude, when he, Drew Timmy was still I there. Know. <laughs> I remember Drew. being in grade seven watching Drew Timmy. Yeah, exactly. Sabonis is playing in the NBA's eighth year. He's going, man, when I first showed up, Drew Timmy really showed me the ropes yeah, at Gonzaga. He took me into his wing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so Drew Timmy's out there dominating, just putting on a clinic. And I'm saying it's nice having him. Same with UCLA with Hawkes and I mean, Tiger Hawkes. Campbell, how yeah. they're both on that team. And I'm saying, hey, I know what's going on here. I know these players. And mm-hmm. we're not used to that nearly as much because there's so much turnover with these players and the best guys leave. And now there's a bunch of good guys in the G League, European players like Weminyama. So the tournament to me still is, let me get acclimated with the best guys now. Let me get a little peek at some of these dudes because I just don't have the time to be tracking them the same way I did when I was younger and I had yeah. no responsibilities <laughs> and I could just flip on an Arizona game at 10:30 at night and watch Pac-12 basketball, watch UCLA Arizona and go, mm-hmm. this is fine. I'll watch this till 1:30 in the morning. Uh, this <laughs> no is repercussions. Be great. All for the fact that when March Madness shows up, I can pretend like I know something yeah. a few months later when we're heading it's into like, the oh, draft. Yeah, I've been watching him. Yep, yep, yep. So, that's basically my case. Don't like 
I like the familiarity of seeing the top teams getting a look at them. I hate the shame that the top end players feel of losing to those teams where they know they're an inferior opponent. Mm-hmm. And I'm just this way. This is part of my dislike sometimes for the Stanley Cup playoffs is the format, the way that it is. I don't want to see the best team, one of the best teams get knocked out early. Mm. People think you're just a crybaby Leaf fan, but no, I don't, I don't want to see the Leafs and the Bruins or the Leafs and the Lightning face in round one when you're two of the best five teams in the NHL. Yeah. That's so stupid to me. Build it up. Let me see you have to go through the war and then face each other at the very end. If you are the top of the top, you should have some advantage. And yeah. they did. Purdue has that advantage. They get a 16 seed. So, like, nobody's crying for them in terms of them not having an, a fair yeah. opportunity to do it. they lost fair and square. Yeah, but they lost. So, I'd rather see it. And, yes, I just – I do love watching the hecticness of college, though. So it's it's just this, this Knowing that there are stakes – because if you're just trying to watch a random casual college basketball game on a mm-hmm. Tuesday – I can see how you would go, no, I really just want to watch the NBA over yeah, this. But true. with the stakes of this being just one and done, every year we're reminded why this tournament is the best. This well, is I this asked, it's that first weekend too. Yeah. It is. I asked Austin before the show, like, how close do you think March Madness is to being the perfect sports tournament? Oh, it's so good. It's got everything. Like, I think it might be number one in the world for being like, as uh, nothing's perfect. But being no, as close so to perfect as a sporting product entertainment can get. Yeah, that's why today is the worst day of the year. Yeah. <laughs> it's you have to come down off the high you have of four, four straight, straight days yes. of all basketball. And then we have all three of nothing. And that's no all coach. I did. That's oh, yeah. all I did was watch four straight days of every one of these games, putting in a million different bets on the phone with all your friends. There's nothing sweeter than sitting there with your friend high fiving to a team you've never seen <laughs> oh, play yeah. before, making that co- <laughs> like so we had Houston. We live bet Houston. And against Auburn. Yes. Nice. And when we're watching that Trayvon Marks kid, just make bucket after bucket. (laughs) Never seen him before in your life. (laughs) And then Auburn miss all their free throws. And the other way, they're just, we're hitting all of ours. Houston's just nailing their free throws. And you're just yelling, gotta make a free throw. (laughs) Clapping. The kids just the meltdown. It's, there's nothing sweeter. You know what I think a little part of it is too, is that, for anybody that watches sports and we all have these opinions and we get to come on here, now it's gotten a little, I think we can all admit, sports has gotten way more serious than it used to be. Yes. There was used to be the one hardo every once in a while that you'd bump into and they would have the, oh, there's a blah, blah, and you'd go, ugh. <laughs> like crazy hard take. Yeah. Yeah. Or the worst used to be if you were ever at a bar and you were with a group of guys and there's the one dude who played some lower end oh. sport. They go well, actually, and you go. Uh, I played junior C three years ago. No, <laughs> please. Sounds like you've had experience with this. Oh, of course, man. <laughs> of course, the guys who played maybe a little div one ball or lower than that. Yeah, you know, some guys that played yes, CIS, anything along those lines. Basketball, watching the game, mm-hmm. giving you the hard opinion. This was an old back in the day thing. Now it's just. The social media has totally changed it, made everything way more serious. People are afraid to have takes because they're afraid to have people get pushback. So you just see a lot of the lame, same positive stuff that people love to do because they go, this is pretty safe. Yeah. This is pretty safe. And this is make it. It's like Alabama's retweeted. a good team. Yeah. I really appreciate <laughs> Fred Van Vliet. It's okay. Anyway, uh, it's gotten very, very serious. What I, there's all this analysis that goes in. We all are experts all the time. Stats. And I'm going to continue doing some experting of my own later today, okay? I don't apologize for this. All I'm saying is, is that when we get to the tournament, we just accept that so much of sports is just random. Yeah. That a yeah. lot of these decisions that get made by the players are <laughs> nuts. Mind-boggling. That we put so much, and it just, it's, it's almost, 
relaxation and freedom back to, oh, okay, yeah, sports aren't that serious. Oh, this is all, oh, we have an opinion. Oh, I like, per, I like, uh, what'd you say? Furman. 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 Yeah. The Paladins. A guy goes, I really like, got a feel about Furman, and he wins, and you go, this is amazing. Yeah. Just the randomness <laughs> of the it. Best. It's just, it's, it kind of gets us back a little bit to that. Just everyone can have a basically uninformed take. How informed are we really about so many of these things? Right? That's why I think it's so funny, too, even when professional... This is why Babcock used to grind my gears, is he would go up there and go, is that what you think? Is that what you think to the media? And, like, challenge them and go, yeah, man, it's really not that hard. Thinking about different guys playing with certain guys. It's not... You're not... I'm not trying to challenge someone uh, at NASA here. Like we're not inventing <laughs> yeah, new exactly. things here. I, I'm not showing up uh, at a science convention and going, I'm not sure. <laughs> what do you know? Science convention. Right. It's just... This, this is not that. This is sports. It's supposed yeah. to be easy. It's supposed to just be fun. Anyway, so I've been having a blast with March Madness. My God, Thursday feels a million miles away yeah and even when we get to thursday now this the thursday this last this next weekend is still awesome yeah but once we start to lose the amount of games just this is one of the weirdest things about this tournament is that like the further it gets somehow like the worse it feels you know yeah. stanley like the, cup playoffs the same thing yeah it's like the first weekend is the best, and yep. then by the time you reach like the final four, you're like, eh. Yeah, I know. And that's yeah. like in he's a pool. Yeah. You're like, eh, okay. The high of the first well, four days is like unmatched. Yeah, but this is also why I do think it's important. My favorite format, or my not my favorite format, my favorite outcome is usually when it's one solid Cinderella story in the final four, and then three and blue some, bloods. Yeah, yeah. Three mm -hmm. really good teams that are in there. Uh, by the way, I don't like that Gonzaga team's bad. <laughs> the, the only team, I, I really do think that this is up for Houston and Alabama to me versus everybody else, basically. Yeah. UConn looked good. They had a really nice second half. They were a very popular pick. Marquette was a popular pick. Michigan mm, State was a category, but I, I kind of, I, it still does feel like those two one seeds are. UCLA's right there, though. Like UCLA is just like under. UCLA. I don't like UCLA. Alabama they, and Houston. They, and... they were way too tight in their game. And I like that they have Hawkeyes. They're the same thing with Gonzaga to me, where you're a team with one real scoring option mm -hmm. and the rest of your team is pretty mid. So I'm going to say that it's going to be one of those two teams. Yeah, to me it's Alabama, but yeah, again, Alabama. my bracket is garbage. Yeah. So yeah. pick against Alabama. Brandon, Brandon Miller. Yeah. It's... But even when Brandon Miller wasn't scoring, like Javon Quinterly stepped yeah, up and started scoring. But like... Brandon Miller just looks the part yes, right he away. He just looks the part. You can see him with an extra 15 pounds in the NBA. He's, he's go, gonna oh, be NBA yeah, guy. you're 100%. just awesome. Yes. Yes. It's, it is when you see the NBA guys in these tournaments. Oh, go, yeah. oh NBA guy. <laughs> yeah, 100%. 100%. <laughs> oh, hey, NBA guy. It's like, oh, That's you're getting drafted. You're else. getting drafted, aren't you? Anyway, I'll talk about more of the Battle Ontario stuff with Kipper later in the show. I got him at 10 o'clock. Before we take a break... I do want to just touch on what an impressive weekend it was for Raptors. They lost that game. They they look way more connected on both ends of the floor lately. Mm -hmm. Something seems to have flipped in this homestand. And this is so classic Raptors. This has been their season all along. This is why they've been so frustrating. But this is the highest of the high that they've had. They come off that road trip. They lose to Lakers. And we're all pissed off and saying, why did you do this? Why did you double down on this team? And mm -hmm. I'm still there. Again, you're, ne you're never going to walk me off of the opinion that the Raptors needed to do a one step back to take two steps forward approach, right? True. And that, that's the way that these leagues go. Um, look at smart executives in hockey like Steve Eisenman. His team was in a playoff chase, and he looked at it and went, this isn't our year, though. Mm -hmm. So we're going to move some guys out. We're going to get some draft picks. 
we're going to restock and then we're going to move forward with more flexibility and more assets in the cupboard so that if we do want to compete, we're going to try and do this. Mm -hmm. I really believe that that is the smartest way of doing business in pro sports. When you're not the team, make sure that you can put yourself in a better position to be the team. Right. And next year, it still appears like the best outcome for the Raptors is to re-sign everybody and go into the luxury tax with their new draft pick that might be, I don't know, generously 12th overall yeah. at this point. <laughs> Plus another year of development for Scotty Barnes mm -hmm. and another year older for Fred and blah, 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 go on down the line. But the main reason why they've been so good lately is Fred Van Vliet. Yeah. For he sure. is back to playing like an all-star. His last four games, which has been this homestand. So the Denver game, OKC, Minnesota, Milwaukee. Yeah. He's averaging 26 and a half points per game, eight assists, four rebounds, and he's shooting... 51% from the floor and 48% from three. Yeah. He is bombing and he is nailing it. Yeah. And this is kind of the thing with the raps. <laughs> when they get this kind of play from Fred Van Vliet, they're an amazing team. He was an all-star for them last year. Yeah. He's been very, very up and down. And this is kind of the conundrum that they're going to be in going into next season. Which guy are you getting? If you're getting this guy, which you're not for an entire season, it's just not going to happen. But if you're getting something closer to the version that we've seen here, you can talk yourself into the Raptors just yeah. about beating anybody. For sure. Yeah. Is, you feel is like 80% of it. He, Him and Pirtle has been working. All of a sudden, OG is playing way better, too. It feels like his just fit into what he's doing. Everything has sort of come a little bit. Siakam's had a couple of better games. Mm -hmm. but it Yeah, does... he's still not quite there. Like, it'll yeah. be... You just, part of me always just wonders, like, are we ever going to see both Van Vliet and Siakam playing at yes. the high level at the same time? <laughs> well, this that's season? it. They just, it always feels like, and that's okay. It's not like they're all going to score 30 every single night. But it does feel like everything positive has come at the expense of Siakam at times in this game. And if you look at the advanced metrics for Siakam over the season, if you looked at it like a stock over a year, it's not great. Mm -hmm. You would not be selling your Siakam stock right now. You'd have to be holding on to it going, just wait until playoffs. He had a good playoffs last year. The stock will rise up. Anyway, Fred's been brilliant. Yeah. But, man, they just have such tough decisions ahead of them. And I just thought the Milwaukee game was a little different. It made me believe a little differently. They're coming off of a back-to-back. -back, yeah. And Milwaukee was trying in that yeah, game. Yeah, yeah. They yes, never quit. Sure. They had their home crowd was loud. Brooke Lopez is so underrated. Yeah. It's funny because they signed that contract, and I went, oh, that's yeah. not going to age well. <laughs> and then he's out here. I'm Depoy, who hits threes and who's just getting the basket. That one where he went baseline and did the little turnaround <laughs> j jam, I went, are you taking steroids? <laughs> what is happening also, here? Also, remember when the Lakers just let him walk? Yeah. Oh, f what yeah. was that about? Yeah, f over $11 million. Yeah. I think it was a one-year $11 million deal, and the Lakers <laughs> went, no thanks. We're good, Brooke. Oh, yeah, that was, a, good, Brooke. that was a big yikes one. The, it's it's weird with the Bucks though, because you look at their... Uh, Middleton has just gotten old. Mm. Like, they, remember when he was the shutdown Raptors guy? Now they're just attacking him. Yeah. yeah. And you're saying, ooh, when did this happen? And still <laughs> knock down a shot. But then there are pieces around, like the the Carters and the Grayson Allens, Drew the Ingles. Ingles every now and then Ingles, doing something. I know, but he can still hit a shot, and he, he, he has big game player attached to him. Yeah. But there still does feel like they're missing a guy that could really burn them in come playoff time, that they're just missing that one extra dude they could holiday is so good, but they, he was yeah. a little bit slowed down that game. They could just they they're missing that one guy. Anyway, let's take a break. Let's come back. I want to talk to Luke Thomas about uh, what is the future of the welterweight division? Is this is our division, the Canadian division is what it should be called because it should be named after George St. Pierre. <laughs> I think it's pretty well stamped now that Usman's legacy is 
as the second best welterweight to GSP. Um, that's the way we're going to do this now. But yeah, what's the future of this? Do we really think Connor could hang with this eventually in this weight class? And yeah, um, what did we what did we see on Saturday afternoon? That's next. Sportsnet 590, the fan. We're back. All of us in the studio just ripping around about the standings of the NBA. <laughs> Where the Raptors are going to finish. Yeah, so it was weird. The UFC comes on at a very early time. I'm trying to watch March Madness, Leafs games coming on. But we ended up with a pretty solid card. But the main event, I think, people take a special interest in in this country because GSP, to many people here, is the greatest welterweight of all time. And mm-hmm. I had been discussing this with Ariel Hawani heading into this weekend is, hey, what happens if... What happens if Usman wins? Why did this completely go away? He had this win streak and everyone had basically decided that he had passed GSP and then he loses on what, I don't want to call it a fluke, but he loses it on a big head kick. Random head kick. Yeah, it felt a little random and then all of a sudden that just completely went away. Luke Thomas, combat sports analyst for CBS and host of Morning Combat. Good morning, man. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's great to have you, dude. So what do you think about Usman's legacy moving forward here? Because this one, I don't know if he definitively lost. I think Edwards was the better fighter. There was the weird third round that kind of screwed up the scorecards and had everyone going into it and saying, is this going to be a draw? What's going to happen here? But do you feel like Usman's legacy is now stamped when you lose two or three to, yeah, um, uh, Leon Edwards? Well, I don't quite... I, I, you know what's kind of funny about this one? I saw some of the odds coming out. I'm sure you'll ask about Colby in a minute, yeah. but there was some early odds about Colby versus Leon and how that would look. And I get giving Colby the nod as the favorite to like induce betting, but I came away from this performance thinking this is, I mean, this is the most triumphant performance of Leon Edwards' career. I mean, he is a highly skilled operator. To me, Usman looked a little bit declined, maybe physically, but really not much. He got beaten. So you're asking about his legacy. I mean, here's one thing that Usman now has that GSP doesn't in the bad sense. GSP beat everyone that he was ultimately beaten by, right? And in other words, he beat everyone he, was fa- he faced, plus obviously all the wins he had at the beginning. Like, there was never a guy who has a win over GSP that he never avenged. Mm-hmm. Well, now you have a case where Usman has two losses, um, one via a head kick, which I don't think was quite as flukish as some others might. And then this one, to me, which was thorough. He, Edwards, which is, this is the first time... Edwards was, like, legitimately better. So in the, the question of his legacy, I got to tell you, folks, I was never the one who thought that like, he had already passed GSP. I really never bought that. And, frankly, I'm, I, I'm tempted to put him, like, affirmatively number two all time based on losing to Edwards at UFC 286. Yeah, I'm, I'm there with you. And it always felt a little difficult. It was just GSP did a media tour. He even came on this podcast and was talking about how Usman had passed them, and we just, it felt like for so long we ignored Usman's accomplishments that when he started to really rack up the, the final wins in his streak that we had to go a little overboard, and we went, oh, he's the greatest now, and then went, all right, we just find a little bit of a middle ground on this one. That's, I think you nailed it, though. That's a big part of this is it doesn't seem like people think Leon Edwards is spectacular, and you tweeted about his growth and his takedown defense, and, and I guess I was having a tougher time differentiating whether or not this was more on Usman or whether this was more on Edwards. But by your accounting, you feel like Edwards has taken a real step as a champion and that maybe he should even be favored going to the next fight. Yeah, I would favor him to win over Colby. And I do think 
this was a absolutely I mean this was a master masterful excuse me performance from Leon Edwards. I mean, if you just look at the second fight and the third fight, what was the big difference here? People thinking that like Kamaru fell off a cliff from their last fight. I just don't buy it. Now he is thirty five, he'll be thirty six in less than two months, so fair enough. That's old for welterweight, at least relatively speaking. But here is the big difference, the tactical and strategic maturation of Leon Edwards. So, so many of the things that caused him problems in the second fight, he simply, by the way in which he fought, denied it to Kamar Usman. The, the lateral movement, not shelling up behind his guard when his back is up against the fence, his takedown defense, hand separation, grip breaking, all of that paid dividends. How about this? In the first fight, which was three rounds, Leon Edwards landed three leg kicks, which were highly disruptive but didn't do much because there was only three. Second fight, 13, five-round fight. Mm. How about in this fight, he landed 50, 50 leg kicks. That's not just damage. That's how many times Kamar Usman has to reset. That's how many times Usman can, or excuse me, Edwards can score and then move. It was masterful that he did that. How about this one more stat? First fight, which was three rounds. Edwards, uh, excuse me, Usman went six for 13 on takedown. Second fight, five rounds. He went five for 12. Five rounds this time, four for 15. Four for 15. And his significant strike percentage between the second and third fight, the two five rounds went up, excuse me, stayed the same, but he had almost double the amount of output. Ladies and gentlemen, that is not Kamar Usman falling off a cliff. That is Leon Edwards rising to the occasion. Yeah, that's big. And I think that that's a tough one is, for me anyway, I, I definitely was looking at it more as why isn't Usman more effective? Is he more tentative? Has he aged? Has he lost his confidence of a champion? And, and I probably wasn't giving Leon Edwards enough respect. And normally, especially as you start to rack up those leg kicks, I'm going, okay, this is nice, but wh where's the other stuff? And I, I, pr the way that you're looking at it is definitely the more intelligent one. I think for Leon, right, the future is clear. He's going to get Colby, and it's going to be a massive test because, yeah, we're going to see if it... Yeah, how much the takedown defense is going to go up against another really great wrestler and what ends up happening there. With Usman, I don't know what the path back is because it feels like he's going to have to fight Hamzat um, or someone of that ilk in order to get another title shot. Maybe it's a fight. Maybe it's only one fight away. The, the question with the welterweight division is, do you think that Conor McGregor ends up actually being a part of this? Because he is fighting at 170 in his next fight. He has said he wants a title shot. He is also talking about Diaz, though, which to me is a bit of an indicator that maybe he knows this is the future for him. But do you believe he is a factor in any of this? I wish I could tell you he wasn't, but yeah, he definitely is. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just crazy. It's crazy. Doesn't make a lick of sense. Doesn't really need to. So yeah, to your point, he'll fight whenever he fights. Uh, against Michael Chandler, that one is expected to be at 170 pounds if he wins that, which, by the way, is no guarantee, but no. certainly you would, you, you, you know, you, he has a decent shot at it, I think is a fair way to put it. And if he gets the win, whatever he calls for at that point, I think he's going to get for a couple of reasons, not just the box office returns, but the, the, the window remaining on those box office returns. Like, do you just, like, if you have to ask yourself a question, how many MMA Connor fights, at least relevant ones, where he's still, like, you know, young-ish, how many of those do you have left? Probably not many. Probably not many. So whatever he wants, he's probably going to get. I mean, guys, look at what he's doing with USADA. He's just really in real time crafting his own anti-doping policy and daring anyone to stop him. Yeah, so in terms of the welterweight title picture, he hasn't fought or beaten anyone relevant there. Doesn't matter. Well, yeah, he's 34. He's 34 turning 35 this year. Um, right. And his path, to me, it seems only one way. 
if he beats Michael Chandler in this upcoming fight and then Leon Edwards remains the champion, that he ends up staying in and doing it. Um, from a marketing standpoint, him versus Colby would probably be pretty cringe. <laughs> they, the UFC would bill it as, wow, look at these two trash talkers. But I think Connor would probably at least have the sense from his camp that he would not be able to hold up against that wrestling. And maybe he takes the fight against Leon, but and he seems to be hedging his bet with, all right, if I lose this, he gets the Diaz fight. Maybe then it's done or one fight in there. I don't know what the path is if he loses outside of that. But if he wins... Yeah, do if he wins, does he stand a chance in hell against a guy like Leon Edwards? Do you think that that is the one that he would want to take? Probably. They have the same management group, so it might yeah. get a little strange, but that, that, I don't think that would prevent a fight from happening. Uh, I, I bet he would want it against Leon more than he would want it against Colby, not just stylistically in terms of takedowns versus not, but also Leon fights at a more moderate pace. Yeah. Uh, and I think that kind of pacing suits McGregor a little bit more. I do have questions. Like I know he's bulked up, and maybe his power will carry to 170, but I wonder how 170ers would take it. I think they'd probably take it pretty well, and more to the point, like how much can he reproduce that over the course of a three, or in this case, a five-round fight? I have serious questions about that. Um, so, you know, it's not like he's going to run in and there and be like, oh, he's a striker, Leon's a striker, and it's a coin toss. I don't think so. Leon doesn't really make a lot of mistakes. Maybe a couple of ones here, and then you saw when the Diaz fight, he made it nearly a catastrophic one, but that's very rare for him, a very disciplined, smart fighter. So I don't like McGregor's chances, frankly, at welterweight, no matter who he fights, but I suppose against Edwards, his chance is realistic enough that you can't um, you can't discard, you know, uh, ignore it. Yeah, I just I don't think he's losing the weight at this point in his career. Like lightweight is done; <laughs> he's not going back down there. Right. Yes. It's just it's clearly he's either taking the title shot at 170 or he's becoming this weird just yeah ticket draw guy. <laughs> you say fine, McGregor fights some bigger names ish, and you prop him up for two, maybe three more fights. That even seems like a stretch thinking about it as three if he loses this one and, and that ends up being the future. Um, at least the UFC does feel like they're in a, a better pr- place recently when it comes to star power and a bunch of guys that have emerged as actual names, whereas it felt maybe even six, seven months ago that they didn't have anybody and that getting a McGregor back and getting a John Jones back felt so, so crucial to this sport from a selling it to casuals standpoint. Do you feel that too? Yeah, there's been a lot of consternation about the UFC's product. I mean, in some sense, they've designed it almost to be this way. Uh, what I mean by that is they have already 80% of the world's best talent, or you know, give or take 80%. So there's not much they can do in terms of finding you know, new guys. They, they pretty much got all that down. But what they've done is they've constructed a business model based on contracted revenue where pay-per-view, yes, is important, but it's, it, they've taken the volatility out of the business where if you've got a big star like a McGregor and they sell a million pay-per-view buys, well, you made a bunch that month, and then the next month if you have someone who can only sell 200, um, you know, then obviously you, you don't make nearly as much money, and that, that, that change in business up to month to month was unappealing to them. So then going to ESPN and overseas contracted revenue based on television distribution deals, they've taken so much volatility. So I don't think that they really felt it. But to your point to the casual fan, they all, there's a sizzle factor that they've always had a keen sense about delivering on, and there just wasn't really a figure they could go to. John comes back. I think that's been good for them, McGregor sort of being on the horizons. But even then, I mean, they, they're, they're, the, the business goes through these cycles of not just boom and bust, but there's these periods where you'll see two or three stars emerge at the same time. Like 2016, Connor and Rousey had this enormous year where they were fighting once every quarter. I mean, it was a crazy year. 
Uh, but, you know, you, it, obviously that's not sustainable. So to the point, yes, there's been a couple of names that came back. But I just think you're in a side of the business somewhat facilitated by the UFC's business model decisions that make this a little bit more of a, not a permanent condition, but a permanent condition for the time being. Luke Thomas, uh, you can hear him more today on the Morning Combat, Combat Sports Analyst for CBS. Thanks for doing this, man. Anytime. Thank you guys for having me. Appreciate it. Take care. There's go. There he goes, Luke Thomas. So to me, uh, a couple things. One is that I just it doesn't feel as though Leon Edwards is that a star. Mm -hmm. The his home crowd was very very pumped for him. They were excited. I think most of us were cheering for him because yeah, Usman wasn't a. Think about all the Usman fights. People were mostly cheering for his opponent except for when he faced Colby and his yeah. high-profile ones. And that's because Colby was just more unlikable. Yeah, everybody hates Colby. <laughs> He's just, just more no unlikable. Question. He's just the forced, yeah, forced heel. It's, the forced character, the yeah, whole Yeah, just everything. He tried to do yeah. all the Trump stuff. Him and, and Connor like, talking would be, oh, my goodness. Yeah, no, I, I, here's, here's the thing. <laughs> this is now the UFC's dream scenario is Connor wins this fight and mm -hmm. Leon wins his. Yes. That way they can get... Leon versus Connor at 170 and have the potential of Connor getting the 170 belt. Yes. And being in a title fight. The question is I well, it's not even a question. I think if Connor was to win 170, he would go the way of GSP where he got he went up, he got his belt and then he pieced. True. He get, gets the belt, retires. There is done. unless they decided it was a rematch versus Leon Edwards that they gave him the instant rematch clause. And then he decided, you know what? I feel good about doing this. True. But then you run the risk of getting beaten. And Man, then he, Conor McGregor at 36. So that's what he would probably be come the next fight cycle around, right? He's like going to be 35 now. Yeah. If he gets this fight. Then he's fights Leon Edwards. They probably try to do that as like a December, January ish type card. Mm -hmm. They really try to blow it up, give both guys a huge. Yeah, maybe it's even later, given depending on where Leon would have to fight, what they would do with that card. True. They decide that that's going to happen. Connor gets that done. Then he's in his age thirty six. He say he wins. I think he pulls the I'm going out on top thing. He doesn't end up drawing it out or stringing it along. I think if he loses, you'd probably get more Conor McGregor fights. Because he goes and decides to say, I'm going to settle the score with Diaz, and then that's it. So to me, no matter how you're really looking at it, I would guess we have three Conor McGregor fights left. You got the next one yep. against Chandler. Chandler. You got the follow-up, which in a perfect world, Leon? Is that kind of how you're thinking? <sighs> yeah, I guess. Because it would be fun to see Conor McGregor in a main event five-round fight. The only mm -hmm. thing is, is I'm just not sure what we're going to see here. Do you think Leon the actually beats Colby? Uh, I'm not as confident as Luke. I listen. Luke is a far more educated eye than I am, yep. and but I I did feel like there was some some slippage from Usman, and that he did land some of those takedowns. He looked slow, and the he looked he looked slow. Definitely the yes. first two rounds though, it just felt he couldn't get settled into the fight, mm -hmm. and so Leon was great in those first two rounds. But I never came away from it thinking. What a dominant performance. What an incredible performance from Leon Edwards. I think if we gave everybody the truth serum, hey, when it went to the judges, what did you have it? I thought it could be a draw. Yeah. I really did. I, was I thought it was going to be a draw. Too. And I, that, I went, oh, my God, this is a nightmare for them. Yeah. Because they're going to have to run this back again and do four. And who wants that? And Colby Covington's in the arena. And then what do you do with him? <laughs> you make him fight. It just yeah. it seemed like a mess.
Yeah. And then he wins it. And I go, I, I said, he was the more deserving guy. Yes. If I was going to give it to someone, it was definitely him. Usman because, didn't do enough to prove that he was a champ. Well, not only that, he, I, I don't even, it wasn't even that one to me. It was just more, the fight, why Usman was really in it is he got the point deduction where Defense Leon grab. Edwards did the thing that I don't understand how everyone doesn't do it, which is grab the fence as you're getting taken down right in front of it. <laughs> yeah. Just the human just instinct. Just dug his fingers yeah, in. <laughs> to do it. And he did it. And yeah. I went, ah, that's what we would all do in there. Yeah, that's, that's what, what I would do. I mean. That would be my only UFC move. Fence grab. <laughs> like Spider-Man, yeah. just like grabbing the walls. Oh, yeah. That would be my only one. So he gets that done. But I, yeah, I'm not going to go full GSP with, I was not impressed with your performance, but. It's a good accent. <laughs> it was just, it was good. It was impressive. He beat Kamaru Usman, yep. who is one of the greatest. He beat him. Yep. And this time he beat him clean and no one can, now all of a sudden he's changed the narrative on his career with that head kick, but I've never watched Leon Edwards and gone, this is going to be one of the great champions of the sport. Mm. This guy feels like a temporary belt holder and that if Hamzat can figure out his weight stuff yep. or Colby can get this fight, I think, I still think Colby wins. To me, he's just going to be younger, fresher. He can strike. Yeah. He's someone with great takedown ability. Yeah. He's not coming off of that tough head kick that Usman did. How old? Colby's sneaky older, though. How old is Colby Covington? 33, I want to say. He's 35, man. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah Colby's 35. Is, he's an older guy, too. So he could be 36 but, by the yes, time but he, he does have Leon. But he does have incredible conditioning as well, which Usman has had. But either way. Yeah. I still kind of like this fight for Colby. Maybe I'm sleeping on Edwards. Maybe he's going to... If if Edwards wins this one, we're pretty much going to have to really, really respect him. Yeah. But I still think Connor would take that fight over taking it against Colby. Connor would take Leon Yes, as a I fight think he'd much rather have over Leon. I think they'd love to have the UK versus Ireland thing and have those two guys go into a fight. Be tough, though, because Leon seems like such a sweetheart guy. He that, seems like he's such a likable yeah, guy that, to root for. Connor, even Usman. I thought Usman was going to go full poor sport. Because he was pacing around in the octagon after, and I well, went... he kept saying, like, come on, bro, come on, bro. Yeah, like, and, and you could hear him in the background. Yeah, and then he went up there and he said, he's great. Yeah. He's amazing. Yeah. He's awesome. Crowd showed love. Yeah. Love it. It was very strange. Yeah. Anyway, it is time for Best Bets, brought to you by Botano, the 2022 Global Sports Betting Operator of the Year. So... We had some good March Madness times this weekend. Again, tons and tons and tons of offerings on mm -hmm. Botano for all your March Madness needs. I had a blast there this weekend. Um, I'm going to hockey tonight, though, where my Sabres pick on Friday. Could have been worst pick of the year, worst pick of the century. <laughs> it had 4 nothing to... The potential to be the worst pick of the century? It was just so bad. <laughs> it was so bad. I. The thing is, it's funny, because every time I've watched the Sabres play, essentially... They look solid. They're a flawed team, but they usually look like they play really hard. And mm -hmm. they They're play, a young team. Yeah, but they play the Flyers, and they go down 4 nothing. And I'm just sitting there saying, way to go. <laughs> nice pick. <laughs> nice pick, dude. But no, I'm going JD. back to hockey because, again, Botano has so many of these offerings, right? Like, there's hundreds, again, on this Colorado Avalanche game tonight against the Chicago Blackhawks. And uh, this is one I like because I don't have to watch the game. I can just have a little action in the background, and hopefully you just see the... The update on your app. <laughs> yeah. And they've got it done. But one of the, my favorite things about, yeah, this site and one of the offerings they have is you can pick the winning team and the total of the game and you can tease it. Like that. that's the thing about the multitude of offerings, right? Like mm -hmm. if you think there's going to be a bunch of goals, you can either tease it up, you can tease it down, whatever. But Colorado has been smashing teams lately. Like they're kind of back to uh, 
they're they're back to the old Colorado Avalanche here, where they are eviscerating teams. I think they beat Montreal. I want to say eight to four. Then they had that tight game against the Leafs, but that was a good team. But then they beat the Senators five four. Mm-hmm. They scored five against the Red Wings. They've been piling up the goals. They've been scoring a lot more. So I, I like some goals in this game against a bad Blackhawks team who has 0-0-0 in goaltend, uh, when it comes to their goaltending. So I like this. At plus 120, mm. you can get the Colorado Avalanche to win in regulation and over five and a half goals. Mm-hmm. I think Colorado could score six on their own. Yeah, And I think they're going to win this game. I also kind of liked uh, Colorado to score first and to win. But that was minus 133, I want to say. Yeah, it was first team to score an end of regulation result. That's a little lower on Botano's site. Mm. Um, yeah, I just, I, I'm I'm going to go with the one with the better odds. With the, So that's it for me tonight. Plus 120, Colorado Avalanche to win in regulation and over five and a half goals in the game. Uh, that is my best bet brought to you by Botano Sportsbook. The game starts now. Quick break. Let's come back. Let's talk to Nick Kiprios. Five. Ah, right as we're coming into the show, Simon goes, did you hear about the guy? You know the line from Heat. And is, you can't do that to me. <laughs> I'm the person who obsesses over Sorry. things like that. Sorry. The other day, I couldn't remember uh, the name of Yellowstone, the show, oh, yeah. which I've seen the first two seasons of. Then I abandoned because it was very clear that it's just Sons of Anarchy, but with cowboys. <laughs> um, where it's one of those shows where you go, no, this is tough. This is for dudes. They're cowboys. They're on a ranch. Just like Sons of Anarchy, you go, no, it's for dudes, motorcycles, gangs, it's tough. But really, it's just a drama. And with hot dudes that are for, for women, it's the show is for women. <laughs> it's okay if you watch it. But just know, there was nothing more cringe than guys wearing Sons of Anarchy clothes. Shirts, yeah. Yeah, and now the equivalent of that would be anybody who dresses up like Yellowstone stuff. Because they watch the seasons of the show, they start to be a little ranchy. And you go, nah. A little ranchy? But I couldn't remember the name of it because someone brought up how there's a show called 1829. Mm. And... It's the precursor to that, and I couldn't remember the name of Yellowstone. And I sat there, <laughs> and they went, oh, did you just Google it? And I went, please, no. <laughs> no. I need to figure this out for myself. And I sat there in misery for maybe half an hour before I put the pieces together. Anyways, uh, I don't know if the Battle of Ontario can ever be back. I just don't know. But Saturday night was fun. Nick Kiprios, real Kipper and born. What's up, buddy? How we doing? We're good. We're yeah. good. How come you're not a believer of the uh, Battle of Ontario like uh, you are Yellowstone? Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm not a believer of Yellowstone either. Maybe I'm just a <laughs> hater. Maybe that's what we're just coming to the conclusion of is that every single thing that comes up, I go, nah, I look for a reason not to. Okay, this is why. Saturday night was fun. We agree. Yes? It's a pretty fun game? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I mean, it uh, wasn't exactly playoff type hockey no. that... Uh, was uh, displayed, but Kipper, the uh, Leafs I think it was sucked in that game. They had no legs. They were not really trying. They maybe had a couple of decent players in it. For the most part, they got, what did Matt Murray have in that game? 52 shots against it. The Leafs were pretty dead, but the Sens, we would agree are a pretty plucky team that can be frustrating to play against. Stutzla's taking a step. All of a sudden their blue lines coming together. They had some goaltender in net where I went, Oh my God, People want to talk about expansion with this league and we're playing this kid. Come on, please. Yeah. Let's not let's not discuss any more expansions until we can maybe get 12 good goalies. That would be nice. If we can get 12 good goalies, maybe that we could start talking about adding more teams. But yeah, it was fun. There was energy. It goes to a shootout and Ottawa has a nice comeback. The building is always fun for those games. I went to university in Ottawa. I went to a ton of them. Uh, getting to that arena is a pain in the ass, but it's fun. It's really fun having Leafs versus Sens in there. 
And I actually found myself sort of half rooting for the Sens fans because it's so important to them that they don't have the drunk Lee fans on the bus ride home giving it to them the entire way. It's just a nightmare for those people. But I just thought about like the old battles of Ontario. And then I realized, Kipper, those were 2000, 2001, 2002, and 2004. And I think about young Joe in my studio here, who is, how old are you, Joe? 23? I am 22. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> there you go, Kipper. There's <laughs> Almost 22. 23. Yeah, like your kid's age is what I have working with me. <laughs> so that's what's so, happening. So what is missing? The, I just think it's been too long. Years. I think it's gone. I just, uh, like, I don't feel that oh, animosity no, it, it, towards it, it, them. Yeah. Well, the animosity um, stems from, I think, lack of... Like not character, but characters. Yeah. If you're following me, there is yep. no Chris Neal. There's nope. no Ty Domi. There's no Darcy Tucker. Nobody's going into the bench, buddy. Nobody's going into the bench. Um, Brady Kachuk can have that element. I yep. mean, we saw it uh, a month ago when he challenged uh, Detroit's bench. Uh, to me, you want to bring back the Battle of Ontario. <laughs> Have Brady Kachuk challenge yes. the Leaf bench on Saturday night. Like that, to me, would drive it to another level. But, you know, it's it's a skilled league right now. So what you want to see, what people tell me they want to see, is less Brady Kachuk challenging the bench and more Stutzel going end-to-end or Marner or Matthews. And that's, that's where we're at. And you can't deny that, uh, you know, both sides have some, some world-class talent right now. Uh, Stutzel's as good He's as awesome. anybody right now. And, uh, of course, Marner has been doing it all season long. And mm-hmm. there is that new element of the game today. But, uh, yeah, you, you're, you're, you're asking for something that, um, you know, almost has gone by the way of the dodo bird. That's, that's where I'm at, dude, is yeah. I just don't think that there's ever going to be the physicality in the series for there to be hate again. I just don't feel as though the Senators, maybe this new ownership thing, they get Ryan Reynolds and – they get a new arena downtown, which is so crucial for them because it's just it, it's never felt like Ottawa has been connected to the Senators in yeah. the way that it should. And you even see that reflected in the stadium. And I know that other Canadian teams, Leaf fans take over the building, but trust me, it's not like there. There used to be a bar there when I would go to school called Local Heroes and it was a Senators bar. And guess what? That Senators bar was a Leafs yeah. bar. It was a Leafs bar all the freaking time. And my guess is, is if you go to a game on a Saturday night in Ottawa right now, in fact, I don't have to guess. I've been there for it. Um, yeah, it's still a ton of Leaf fans. They haven't grown enough in the area. And I do think that part of it directly is that you got to drive out to Canada. It's an absolute nightmare. There's only buses that take you out there from a public transportation standpoint. Leaving that arena via bus is absolutely no fun. God, it's a, it's a nightmare. And then you've just gone since 2004, since they've played each other in a playoff series. And the lack of characters, you're bang on with that. You're bang on with that, Kip. The toughest part, too, is for someone like me who's older and who misses players like Kachuk, I can't even hate Kachuk anymore because he's like a one-of-one one type, and now I respect him more on the other team. And, I, and if I'm a Leaf fan, you go, damn, I wish the Leafs had a guy like that more than just, damn, I hate that guy. You're more likely to dislike Stutzla. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I mean... We are going to see this rivalry come back in full force the moment uh, Ottawa makes the playoffs 100%. in a year or two. And it'll just be different. As far yes. as the new ownership group, that's the key in all of this to take it to another level. They, they've actually done a great job of, uh, of accumulating talent the last few years and give Pierre Dorian a ton of credit for creating enough assets to uh, either draft 
or, or trade for. And we'll see what happens with the guy like Debrinkit. But you go, you look down that lineup, and there are some real solid uh, building blocks here. And the ownership group will come in, and they will take this organization to another level. And whether or not you truly believe that the the organization's worth eight nine hundred million, some billionaire is going to come in and want a new shiny toy, mm-hmm. and this is going to be it for him. And we're we're gonna see we're gonna see a a, a town kind of get spruced up here in a very you know short um, time frame here. I hope so. And I, I think it's I, I think it's inevitable that uh, you know the the new look of hockey will include a, a strong rivalry once again between Toronto and Ottawa. No question. I want to believe it. I really do. I just maybe yeah. it maybe it happens over time. Maybe it does. Maybe this is why the playoff format ends up working out. The Leafs end up with a one seed next year or whatever. Maybe a two seed and Ottawa's the three or whatever machination works to get these teams to face each other in the playoffs. That that drives up the juice again between the two cities. Yeah. I just, I think without that physicality, without that hate, without that familiarity, it would take time. Even the Montreal thing. And I know Montreal dropped off the face of the earth the second a second later. Their season was really flukish, but that was just an embarrassing moment for Toronto. And it doesn't feel like, that has become more of a rivalry, right? It's it's one where we get told, hey, this is a rivalry. And you go, why? And he's because in there used to be six teams. And you go, okay, I get that. <laughs> you go, there's so there used to be this guy named Maurice Richard. And you go, all right, all right, let's figure this out. But really, Toronto's rival, if there's anybody that people care about, it's the Bruins now, it's the it's the Lightning. It's just a yeah. bunch of these teams. They just sort yeah, of feel the same. What have you done for me lately? Yeah, 100%. That, that's ex- uh, you know, short memories. Mm-hmm. Uh, but... But those teams are mean too. But you got to understand too, is like there's a price to pay for expanding to 32 teams. Mm -hmm. There's, there's teams and players we don't even know anything about really, to be honest with you. And how many games can you watch and how many teams can you, can you research? I mean, this is all part of the process of getting uh, as big as uh, the national hockey league has gotten. And there is a price to pay for it. And ultimately it may come down to, um, some some rivalries that have been great in the past, you know, spreading the love a little bit. Yeah, I, I love rivalries, though. I just think there's a couple of components that you have to have, and one of them is hate. And maybe the Leafs kind of yeah. hate the Sabres. Maybe we get a little bit more of that this year you know, with Tampa. Keep, what? keep in mind, too, that, uh, you know, there's, there's a sense that uh, the league is really pushing hard for physicality. Uh, they won't take fighting out of the game, despite uh, people pushing hard on it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Quebec's going to come in. What does that do? I, I don't Nothing. think it'll it'll phase the NHL one bit here, and and maybe it's a little cyclical uh, yeah. in terms of uh, the contact and the the open ice checking or, or fighting and. No, look at the Leafs, skill, skill, skill. And then this trade deadline, they go get some muscle. They go get some grit. They don't, uh, they don't go the, 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 they don't find another Nick Patan. Let's no. put it that way. Right. No. So, you know, things come around a little bit at, at times and, and maybe what you're talking about will come around yet again. You just reminded me of one of my favorite nicknames ever, which is Mark Savard, nickname Nick Patan, Leaf for a day, because he looked like he won a contest to be at the Leafs every time he'd go on the ice. I loved that one. Uh, so you're right. 
But I can't, when you say the thing about the physicality though, and there's a push from the league, what, what do you mean by that? Because I think that from fans right now, everyone's recognizing to make a basketball point with this, with the physicality, there's a point where the league went, hey, it's all about layups and threes. It's all about layups and threes, and the mid-range shot is the stupidest thing that you can do in a basketball game. Do not take mid-range. Analytically, this is death. This is disaster. Do not do it. And then some teams figured out, oh, they're completely leaving this part of the floor wide open. Now we want to have guys who can hit that shot because it swung too far, so they made the adjustment. It's pretty clear that a team like the Leafs is figuring out, and a bunch of different teams, you see it even with Tanner Janot's price, whatever, that teams have figured out, oh, wait, we've gone so far in the skill direction. When push comes to shove at playoff time, you still need some of those guys. You still need some Nola Charis in your lineup. You need some Ryan O'Reilly's in your lineup. So now, now those have become a market, uh, yeah, just something that you need a lot more. You need to pay more to acquire it because there's less and less and less of it. But from a league standpoint, I'm curious when you said that, is do you, you really feel like the powers that be, the higher-ups, they're recognizing that this league is just not going to be nearly as interesting if it is all skill? Or is that just something that you think is uh, a shared thought amongst the observers of the game? No, I don't think it. I know. Okay. I've, talk, I've talked to enough people, and they understand that historically they've sold hate more than any other professional league. They need that emotion. They need the, the fan at the edge of his seat, not only just to watch Connor uh, McDavid or soon to be Connor Bedard go end to end, yep. but they need it because they, there's an element of, I don't know what's going to happen next. Um, and and there are players out there that uh, historically that have not been able to carry a puck end to end like Connor, like the Connors, but uh, can certainly uh, go out there and uh, and push the physicality or or, or scare their opponent, and that has just been uh, as effective in selling the game as the skill. So uh, they're aware that uh, there's less and less of it. They're aware that the the teams of put a focus and a premium on skill, but there are players out there that can bring a certain element. They, they got to go search them again and, uh, and find them. And, you know, if I'm a young player and I'm smart um, and I don't have the ability to carry a puck like the Connors, yep. then why wouldn't I start showing off that type of skill level and, and know there's a demand for it and know that uh, I got a better shot of making the NHL if I can provide that than thinking I can uh, uh, go coast to coast. Yeah, the problem for me when in this regard is that when you were coming up, so much of how you could make the NHL, if you were Nick Kiprios, was you cared. And you were going to demonstrate those skills. And you were going to do every single thing you could, whether it was fight, whether it was hit, whether it was go to a dirty area, and every single level of play to ensure that you were proven that you were the very best of that. But now, if you look at just the entry rates of hockey and the expense of hockey and the hyper-specialization of hockey at the youth level, if you're a kid now, all you're sort of being taught is the skill, 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 skill stuff, right? And the kids that are in it, I, I, don't, I don't know this. This is a little bit of me maybe projecting. I don't have kids in it. I'm not spending a ton of time around minor hockey. But I think if you ask somebody even like, you know, Stewie, who's very involved it's like, hey, are the kids now, is this feel like more professional than when you were a kid? Is this still feeling like sports where the will part of the game is still very deeply embedded in it? I would have to guess that it's not the same, that it feels like a job for a lot of these kids. That their parents are paying so much money for them to get real significant ice time at the levels where we're pulling future pros from 
that it starts to feel like a job for these kids already at, you know, age 15, 14, that by the time they're getting up here, it wasn't their will that got them here. It was a lot of skill and forced. And so I, I don't know if we're ever going to see, like, I don't know how you correct that part of building up hockey, right? Like, I just <laughs> get rid I, of the parents. Yeah. <laughs> That's how you I agree. You get rid of the parents. I agree. Yes. Bar them from the arena. Well, Let the kids just figure it out on their own. But the you know problem what I'm saying? is is my my generation, like our parents were so busy yeah. putting food on the table. They, you know, they didn't pay a whole, whole lot of attention. They didn't they didn't live in and and breathe um through living vicariously through us. Yeah. And that's what parents do today. Yeah. And they think they they all think that they've got the next Connor. Yeah. Um, when some of them should realize that, you know, there may be, unfortunately for them, a Nick Kiprios there in the gene pool. Yeah, it'd be great if they could get a Nick Kiprios. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Kill to have that. No, I think you're, I think that's spot on. Um, I hope that there are some kids that are smart enough to think about it that way. But then I'm also thinking that's the exact same, just different of what I'm pushing against, which is someone realizing, hey, I can make a little bit more of an impact at a younger age if I'm this trying to make it pro when I don't know how early kids should be thinking about stuff like pro sports. Maybe just enjoy it and maybe just, it's just play it's the just game have for fun. fun. Yeah. Just, yeah, exactly. Maybe. Just go out there, have fun and be a kid and let it all kind of just figure it out on its own because yeah. usually that's ultimately what happens. Yeah. So you were the first guy to write about Matt Murray's role. And I remember reading your piece in the star about, Hey, the Leafs kind of screwed this up by projecting this as a goaltending battle. Now it feels like Matt Murray has basically 0% chance outside of an injury or a catastrophic close for Samsonov to steal the net for game one against Tampa. It, where, do you, where do you think this goes from here? You think he's going to be a happy camper with that? Uh, probably not. Mm. Uh, but there's a part of me that still thinks that he thinks that uh, he's in for running. And I, I, maybe he is. Maybe the Leafs have led, led him uh, to that impression that he still has a shot at, at game one. Um, yeah, this is kind of, we, we've solved nothing to be honest with you, but the, the good news, I think in all of this, as we get, you know, close around 90% of the league already done <clears throat> is that Samsonov's done a good job and he is a capable goalie. And he, at times he's, he's shown, uh, that he, he can win a game mm -hmm. and that in itself is an accomplishment, uh, as far as being definitive on what they want in game one, I think they've left it wide open. And uh, judging by what we've witnessed the last little while, I, I really believe that uh, ultimately they still want to put Matt Murray's experience at the forefront here. Uh, but we'll see how it plays out in the next uh, dozen games. It was a good game for him, not only because he made so many stops, he didn't let in a bad goal, but his team, they get a win against his former club or at least one of his former clubs. I wonder if you, when, when you think of a player or a former teammate, maybe it was even yourself facing a former team, is there one memory that sticks out above them all? Oh, wow. You're putting me on the spot yeah. here. Um, like one I... guy where you were in the dressing room and he was facing his former team and you guys went, we have to win this game. <laughs> this guy, there is so much money on the board. This guy oh, despises gosh. this group. Yeah. He has a grudge against somebody well, from there. No, Something to I, prove. I, no, no, nobody. And um, the the one guy that stands out to me is uh, Steve Larmer. Mm. Uh, when I was with the New York Rangers, and he had spent his whole career. He had the iron streak uh, in his hip pocket, and then 
things just went, um, you know, north and south between him and the organization. And he, he sat out, uh, he lost his streak, uh, for the fact that he knew that, uh, that relationship was over. That was a pretty emotional one for us as, uh, mm. as New York Rangers watching Steve Larmer come back into that building, play um, Chicago again and play Chicago. Uh, and if I mem my memory strikes me, uh, he had uh, a broken finger. He shouldn't have played. He had a, he had a penalty shot on Ed Belfour, and he's one of the first guys I've ever seen walk in between the hash marks and take a full slap shot and go top shelf on Eddie Ooh. Belfour, and the bench absolutely erupted. Yeah. That's what I'm maybe try to Google. We might, we might try to find that highlight today. Uh, yeah. Last one, Austin Matthews. This is a quote from Keith on him with Yarncroc. Quote, Austin felt strongly about continuing with it as well. Both of those guys were terrific and were rewarded for it, end quote. So it seems like he, he just, Keith has a real bone to pick with Michael Bunting. He's going to be in the top six, but he's been playing with Tavares more. It hasn't actually been working that well, I would say, him and Tavares. But do you think that Yarncroc actually has a legitimate shot at ending up on Matthews' line come playoff time and that they stick with the Bunting with Tavares pairing? Listen, I, I give... Uh, Yarncroc, full credit. He's had a really good season. You know, he's going to close in on close to 20 goals. You know, at times his best season, you know, historically in his career, been around 15 uh, goals. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I stand by this. I don't see Yarncroc as a as a as a top guy. And if you want to, you know, if if it's if he's going in hot into a, a playoff. With Austin, I get it. You want to keep him there, keep him there. Um, mm -hmm. But, you know, for me, I'd like to see Yarncroc score when he isn't with Marner or Matthews or or Nylander. If if he could be scoring like this on a on a legit third line, to me, that's better for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, but, you know, good on him. But I just I I, I always had him as, as a as a bottom six, not as a top six guy but if if he can roll with it and he's hot and austin wants him then sheldon's you know told us exactly what we need to know what austin wants austin gets you can listen to more of nick kiprios later today with better co-hosts real kipper and Borden, <laughs> three to five today listen then thanks kipper i appreciate it buddy okay have a good one see you man uh yeah a better show later, <laughs> a better, <laughs> better version of stuff Kipper said there later today. Um, I don't think that the battle of Ontario can ever come back. I just think it's dead. You think it's dead? Well, completely. I shouldn't say ever come back because there could be a scenario where these two teams line up and they're both brilliant for a really long time. Here's my thing. I think Toronto isn't at the tail end of who they are, but this iteration, this group, they're going to have some tough decisions moving forward here. They're going to be good as long as Matthews, Marner, Nylander are there in their primes. True. I am. Uh, uh, I think it would take a playoff series. Well, no, I think it's. I'm a little unsure about the future of all of those guys remaining with the team. Like Nylander is going to want the bag, and so is Matthews. Those decisions are going to happen at the same time. We can and we will. 2.0. I'm not sure if it happens. Mm. And maybe if the Leafs go on a deep run, there's going to be some incentive to do it. But, yeah, there's a fair chance, I would say, that Toronto has to make a trade after this deadline and it changes – or, sorry, after this playoff run. And if they lose in round one, and maybe that is one of those guys ends up leaving via mm. trade. Interesting.
So if that happens, there's a little bit of familiarity gone, but either way, you'll still have Matthews and Marner. Yeah. Assuming Matthews doesn't ever want to leave and that he wants to take a huge bag of money to stay with the Toronto Maple Leafs. Mm-hmm. So you'll still have Matthews at the forefront and Marner, which makes your team good, which makes your team relevant, which makes your team a playoff team. Yeah. Sens look like they're very close. They could get into the playoffs. They could face the Leafs in the playoff series. If that happens, it'll be very fun. There'll be a lot of uh, discussion amongst the fans. The thing that I, I probably discount a bit about the Montreal-Toronto not having a little resonance is one, Montreal sucked right away. And two, it was the pandemic where there were no fans around. And Montreal's mm. run became a very Montreal thing. But here in Toronto, we shut down. We were just at home still, and nobody was watching yeah. more of those games and feeling nobody involved. Was there, there, was no, there was no bar interactions at the time. Yeah. Like, it was just, it was different. It was a weird yeah. playoff series. But, yeah, to me, this is one of the problems of expansion, but also parity, mm-hmm. is I don't think you're going to... Detroit looks like they're on the come up. The Sabres look like they're on the come up. Tampa doesn't look like they're going anywhere. Boston will still probably find ways to be competitive. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're just the Bruins. <laughs> I, like, to me, you're going to be able to put all those teams in a blender over the next couple of seasons, and they're all going to be pretty solid. Yeah. And, it, and the thing that made Ottawa-Toronto so cool for a little while was that you could basically put them down in pen as they were going to be in the playoffs together yeah. for four out of five years where they faced each other. And that's the big thing, right? You need yeah. like those, that short stretch where they face each other every time. Cause like, yeah. you know, ultimately the regular season games can be as good as whatever, but like it, it doesn't like you have to have that short period yes. where you guys face off each other a bunch of times. And it's not going to just happen yeah. once yeah. it's going to have to happen multiple oh, yeah. times. Totally. Row. And then when you get so many of the battle of Ontario memories, are from regular season games where the teams hated each other yeah. and there was real juice and Char was swinging around McCabe. That didn't happen in the playoffs. Like yeah. that happened mm-hmm. in the regular season. Spilled yeah. over, right? And so I just, that's the part of it where I don't see it. Even Matthews and Kachuk Saturday night. Yeah, well, I was about to say, like, outside Sega. of Brady Kachuk, like, who else on the ice would start something like that? Like, realistically, like, in a rivalry, like, to bring the yeah. hate outside of Kachuk, who, who else would it be? That's what I'm saying. I don't know if that... Well, it's actually Stutzla, because he is super mm, annoying. Okay, fair. And you actually saw him get into the crease where he was cross-checking yeah. Luke Shen. He Kachuk got is on just top more of, of the main character Kachuk, in that Kachuk scenario. Kachuk is the kind of guy... He's not his brother, though, in the sense of... He's not a ratty type of player. Yeah. He just goes mm. to dirty areas, and he'll yeah. do things that... He's just tough. Yeah. He's tough and he's nasty. He's confident. He wishes that. He's sweet. Yeah. But no, Stutzla has the more annoying, yeah, scorer Mm -hmm. with a ton of skill, but tries to do the odd dirty thing. I think people would gravitate to hating Kachuk more just because he's more on the ice. I I I think so. But like, think about the bench thing with Detroit. Like, if he did that to Toronto. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. That's never going to happen again. Mm. So trying to believe that there's going to be some recaptured moment the same way. You, so you can have the Battle of Ontario in the sense of both teams are good at the same time. They face each other in a playoff series. Yeah. But to me, unless they face each other a couple of years in a row. Yeah. It's not going to And now the with height. the schedule changing even more to people want more parity, regular seasons meaning less and less. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard the to. Playoff format. That's the thing. Yesterday, or sorry, Saturday night, there, there wasn't the stakes of that game. Leafs played pretty sloppy. Yeah. They were kind of lucky to get away with a win there, to be honest. They didn't play that well. Well, they gave up, again, 52 shots. Of yeah. course they were lucky yeah. to yes. be in it. Uh, quick aside, by yeah. the way, uh, I also went to school in Ottawa, and you talking about taking a bus back from that 
arena oh, in Canada. So like nightmare fuel yeah. getting back from that arena. <laughs> I've seen so oh, much puke on that bus. Oh my God. Oh. And like just fights. Oh, yeah. Every fights. game you go to, there's yeah. a fight on, on OC Transpo. Well, yeah. <laughs> it, well, when I was there, you still used to be allowed to leave the arena during intermissions to smoke darts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was a fight zone. <laughs> <laughs> I think you mentioned that you before were just on the show. caged in with all the other animals, and it was tight quarters. Everyone <laughs> packed in for darts, and a lot of bumping happening. And yeah, that was a fight zone. Way more Montreal, though. Dowell Center for a Leafs game? Scraps. 1,000%. I've, I've never been to Montreal or Ottawa for a Leafs game. I've been to Buffalo. Yeah, you're a child. And Detroit. Joe. But I haven't been to... Yeah. Montreal and Ottawa. Yeah. Which is why it sucks that the rivalry is no longer a thing. Because I remember when I was like a kid and you'd like see it in the newspaper and stuff like that. And you'd like hear myths about it. Myths. Yeah, but I I never got to experience it. (laughs) Like, oh, I'm so old. I know. No, but I never got to experience it. That's why. Like, it kind of sucks. I see it in highlights. And I'm like, oh, I'm too young to die, but uh, not really anymore. (laughs) I don't get to say that anymore. If I'm dying, I just have to go, it's appropriate time. <laughs> it's it's no, fair. It's kind of fair now. We also found Steve Larmer's penalty shot, by the way, when okay, you were talking yeah, about yeah, it. Let's definitely watch that during the break. Yeah. That's a sweet one. Yeah, I should have texted Kipper that one yeah, before. Yeah, January but... 16, 1994. Anyway. Yeah, either way. I just, yeah, I love those. That was the one thing. They won that game. They're all very happy for Matt Murray. Mm-hmm. But if you're him and you're letting in four goals a night every single night, yeah. Then you play that well. That's why I thought when he gave up the last one and it sent it to overtime, there had to be a little part of him where he was looking around going, I know it's a back-to-back guys, but you couldn't give me a little bit better yeah. of an effort than this. Yeah. Now I'm, I'm, I got no shot to start in the playoffs. Where's my chance to grab the reins? And now I'm in this well, tough he, spot. He didn't let in a bad goal against Ottawa. I no, thought. he didn't. He didn't, but the streak no. does continue. And so if he has another game next week where it's four or more, it's just, yeah. it's getting into a, a pretty lengthy ass spot and i was i've talked about this with sammy mm-hmm. i don't think i said this on leafs talk i think it was off air but yeah at this point just in terms of a management thing if they were going to take that risk and start matt murray in game one could you imagine how pissed this fan base would be if they played matt murray in a home game game oh one against goodness. tampa and they lost and they gave up four goals oh my god i don't think that keith would get the rest of the series that dubas gets it just that's already the <laughs> The fire and brimstone from this market. That would be market. like a Hall of Fame truly. awful day on Twitter. For and yeah, it's the, the old Brian Burkeism is the you can't make the decision the fans would make, otherwise you'd be sitting with them. But this is one where, boy, that would take a lot of guts. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't know what would have to happen between now and then for the fans to willingly accept that. Uh, he, would, he would have to like play every single game and shut out every single That's team. That's what I'm saying. It would ha- it <laughs> would, like the he'd only have to go that... on an incredible run. Yeah. Anyways, let's take a quick break. But yeah, I don't I don't think it comes back. If you want to weigh in at JD Bunkus anytime on Twitter and on Instagram, I'll leave the DMs open. Uh, quick break. We'll come back. Subscribe to the podcast. Leave five stars. Do all those nice things. We'll hit all the things we missed from this weekend, including a Mercedes drama. Sportsnet 590, the fan. Okay, so you guys are not as big F1 guys, am I right in this? Not as big. I wish I was more into Simon, it. You're not watching no. any of it, right? No. You don't care. I did watch it this weekend, though. I was yeah. into it. I threw it on. Thing is, it, Red Bull is just so far ahead this year. Last year, we at least had Ferrari, mm-hmm. who... She botched kept, it. Kept making bad decisions. They were there. They had the car with the best pace, mm-hmm. and they blew it. They just, they, too many mistakes. Mm-hmm. This past weekend, Max Verstappen had a 
gear shaft there. The drive shaft there? Yeah, drive shaft there. And yeah. then he had to start the race in P15. He still finished second. <laughs> like, Sergio yeah. Perez wins the race. They go 1-2 at the podium. It yep. is what it is. They're going to dominate this year. It's There's not even a real point in terms of tracking the constructors or the drivers' championships. It's just done. Yeah. It is DOA. This whole thing about trying to make sure there's the salary cap for the cars, I say <laughs> get rid of it. Just, just let everyone go. Let them go. Let them go. <laughs> let them go. Who cares about... So the cellar dwellers are still the cellar dwellers, and now there's just even more lack of parity at the very top. Anyway, um, the more interesting thing to me is that George Russell finished ahead of, of Lewis Hamilton. Lewis Hamilton. Mm-hmm. And Lewis Hamilton, there's people departing, Mercedes, and Lewis takes a public stance and says, that is, I think it was his trainer, says, that she's leaving the organization, and he'll miss her, she's going on to better things, and then Toto's kind of coming out going, actually, I think she left. Lewis wanted her gone. Go, Angela Cullen? Yes, Angela Cullen. <laughs> yeah. And uh, then... George Russell finishes ahead of him in the points this weekend. <laughs> and old Lewis, who I've been saying, Lewis, you can respect him. You can mm-hmm. say he's one of the greats, but he is a complainer. And you can say they're all complainers, but he, this is the thing that he's, so here's what his quotes. Quote, we got some great points as a team. Nice. George got third, which is amazing. I went forwards, which is always the hope to at least go forwards one foot in front of the other. So I'm really grateful to have come on, come from seventh to fifth strategy. Just didn't really work out for me. Setup was off a bit. I think if I had the setup that George had, Hmm. I would have been in a better position. Lots of work, lots to work on, but there are positives to take from it. If I would have had the setup that George had, (laughs) This is coming off the same weekend where Lewis Hamilton also said this, quote, I just don't feel connected to this car. No matter what I do, no matter what I change, I can't get confidence in it. End quote. Lewis Hamilton on the Mercedes. I don't even read what kind of car this is. Let's not pretend like I have any idea. <laughs> this is the model of car that they're running with this, this race season. It just this this looks this is starting to look like a we better get a ton of access behind the yeah. scenes here for Drive to Survive this year because well, Toto this is, is also saying I, stuff too. Yeah, yeah, that's what, they better they better not pull the Lewis isn't doing Drive to Survive this year like he did year one or Max isn't doing Drive to Survive like he did two seasons ago. We better have completely unfettered access because if they're trying to sell Everything. us on the new team principle of Ferrari and a full season of Alonso as fun as this is that he's up in the top. Uh, yeah. No, this is the story of the F1 season. The great Lewis Hamilton, as soon as they put the salary cap restrictions on the car, hasn't done it. <laughs> Complainy, friction. Everything always looked so professional yeah. from the outside at Mercedes. And now they've got the There's real, holes. It's leaking. That's it. All of a sudden, everybody's starting to point the fingers. Whose fault is it? Mm. Who is it to blame? Clearly, they can't make a car. Yeah, they just well, can't do it. Not. The whole last season was them pur- uh, purposing, porpoising. That's what they call <laughs> it. Where they do the, the the car is too bouncy, essentially, for yeah. those of you that aren't following around. They too many bounces yeah. for the Mercedes car. Not good. And the, the during the season, it's Lewis Hamilton. Every time that you've got any <laughs> audio of him, he's going, "I'm getting sick in here. It's taking a toll on my body." Blah 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 blah. A lot of complaining. Just lots. Do you and think lots. he actually leaves Mercedes? Yeah. Yeah. Toto 
is talking about how they've got to have years before, but I don't think he leaves for somebody else. I think he just flat out retires. He just retires. Yeah, he's not going to go. What, yeah. Who's he going to go drive for? I uh, Probably go not for, anyone else, to be honest. I It doesn't. Maybe this year Ferrari has some turnover, some change. I don't see it. Mm. They've got their guys. And so they would have the second most competitive car. Do you think Charles goes to Mercedes? No, I, I don't know. But I don't see that. Not if Ferrari's more competitive and they're still paying guys. Like Ferrari's invested a lot in their drivers. True. Red Bull, he's not going to go be the runner-up to Max. And Max is going to be with Red Bull now for the foreseeable future. This is going to be yeah. a real, real run. I just He's already threatened the retirement game before. Mm-hmm. I think that's what he does. I think he, if this car does not work out, he blames the car and he says that his physical toll on the body is too much and he just walks away. What does he have to prove? He's already one of the greats of the sport. Yeah. He only has things to Seven lose by sticking champ. around and yeah. being in a car that loses. So, yeah, yeah, it just feels to me like the exit is starting to get pretty clear. It's a pretty clear path. Yeah. Mercedes doesn't figure out the car by next year Lewis where they can actually gone. win. Why would Lewis stay? Is he going to do another year of this? That's what <laughs> I was talking about before where it just doesn't feel to me like the the timing of all of this drive to survive stuff and the peak of the interest in North America anyways, his legacy amongst the hardos is very clear and obvious, right? The people who actually know what's going on with the car, yeah. who don't make the errors that I make when I'm talking about this, it's done. <laughs> but for the casuals and for the new fans, they watched this and the series started off with Daniel Ricardo getting bumped from the car for Max Verstappen. Mm-hmm. And he was the the chosen one. And he has said, become the chosen one. And we've had a season where pretty much everybody agreed that he had the inferior car. And sure, it ended in controversy, but Max won the drivers. Ferrari won the constructors. It's a pretty important piece for the (laughs) legacy between the two, right? Yeah. Yeah. Not some has-been. He's not in some bad... Mercedes dominated forever and ever and ever. Yeah. And now it just feels like we're on this tear of what Red Bull winning in perpetuity. Yeah. What the hell is going to have that? Nobody's even close to Red Bull this year. This is not a thing. This is not going to be a story. They're going to run. It's the fastest car they've ever seen. Yeah, like, it's, it's, it's this is not going to be a who wins at the top situation. Yeah. No, it's all Red of Bull. the drama is going to be about can Alonso hold on to being the number three guy this year? What a story that would be at his age. Mm-hmm. And then what happens between Lewis Hamilton and hey, shout outs to my guys at Haas. <laughs> In the points. It's your team, baby. Swish. That's your team, baby. <laughs> Tenth. Let's go. Let's In the go. points. I lo- you love to see it. Haas Racing, baby. Kevin Magnuson. If you guys ever get a hat that's not $48 and ugly, I will buy it. <laughs> you can only... The only stuff, the only merch you can buy for F1 is so douchey. Oh, yeah. It's the douchiest stuff. It's either... Right now. Yeah, man. It's so expensive. And most of it's kind of ugly. And you can't just try something on. You have to be you. The only way you can try something on is if you go to one of their events. You're not going to see it in like a store. No, I have seen it in stores. What? I've but seen it in what? The Bay. Ferrari and yeah, you've seen Ferrari. I've seen yeah, McLaren, Mercedes, yes, Ferrari. Exactly. Not Could you Aston imagine Martin. wearing Ferrari gear around? Oh, don't even. Come yeah. on, jail. <laughs> That's tough. That's a sentence. You got to go to jail wearing Ferrari. That the only way you can wear Ferrari is if you're like full-blooded Italian guy who actually owns a Ferrari. Haas isn't uh. even on the store. It's just not even, it's yeah, not even an no, option. Yeah, you can't get hot stuff. It's, it's impossible. not even an option. Ailish went to Montreal. She texted me when she was at the race, and she said, you want one of these hats? And it was a boxy hat on a table that I knew would look ugly on me. <laughs> it was 50 bucks, and I went, there's no shot. You can get them on and Amazon. And then everything else, no, but look at them. Not good. No, man, I'm telling no, you. Not good. No, I'm telling you. <laughs> and expensive too, right? Uh, Haas on Amazon? Look. Shirts? 48 bucks. Yeah, ugly. 39. Oh, uh-huh. what's going on? Okay. 
Well, Amazon's losing it, but either way, don't yeah. look good. Expensive. Yeah. yeah. It's a bad combo. Yeah. We're getting a lot of those Amazon commercials. <laughs> a lot. <laughs> Every single time. It's just, I got to, because you're a cool cat. That's in my brain forever. It's been branded I'm in your head. I'm never going to think of anything else other than that song for the rest of my life after watching March Madness all weekend. God, switch it up. <laughs> switch it up. Yeah. Now, there's some ads where I'm starting uh, to lose my mind a little bit. Oh, my God. Please, for the love of God. <laughs> yeah. For all of our sanity. Uh, okay, what's next? Uh, well, sticking with March Madness, uh, someone punched a hole in the whiteboard after yeah. the Purdue loss. And also, nice. uh, did you see Tom Izzo snap that whiteboard in half in round one? A lot of, mm-hmm. lot of damage to whiteboards <laughs> yeah. in, the, in the opening weekend. Whiteboards so, are public enemy number yeah, one. Seriously, it got me thinking, like, are you guys the type to take your anger out on uh, inanimate objects? Are you, no. Like, how do you channel your rage? I just bury it. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say me too. I either come on here and I say dumb stuff <laughs> or I do dumb tweets. Get ratioed. Yeah. Or I have, you know what I think is important is to have, this is why having good friends is the best because you can't put that all on your significant other. Mm. This is too much strain on a relationship. Give them all. Yeah, that never work. Right? It's just yeah. not going to happen. You have to have your friends that for me anyways, I, I troll them. Like you have to have your friends where you go, ha, ha, that's where I put it. <laughs> <laughs> and then you go, and then they say, why aren't friends with this guy? <laughs> That's where you have to put. You have to put it into, yeah, chirping your buddies and yeah, trash yeah. talk, fun trash talk. But then you have to, and this is why, I don't care if you can, if you can take it, you can dish it out. That's always my rule. As mm-hmm. long as you can be chirped and you're not a meltdown guy, the worst people that you can be around are the types where they love to trash talk and then they're all sensitive when Horrible. it comes back their yeah. way. And I know a couple dudes like this, and it is just. It was bottom, like, why don't we hang tier. out? And I go, because you're a baby. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to have you talking trash and then this right. goes your way. one thing, like they take it personally and then it's like, okay, Those, those wow. have been the relationships in my life that have dwindled more than any others where it's just yeah. a friend who can dish it out constantly but can't take it. And then you get annoyed by it. You go, ugh, okay, great. So you're just going to keep hammering away at this. This is fun. This yeah. is really, really fun. So that sucks. But no, I'm not a big breaker of stuff. I've always been a cares for his possessions mm. guy. Oh, I was and the opposite. Of that. Are you a breaker? I was a breaker of hockey sticks. Yeah, that was my big thing. I was, I wasn't like putting my hand through walls and yeah, stuff you're like a spoiled that. Spoiled little Brad Oakville kid, just breaking. <laughs> your I had sticks. to buy all my sticks. I I, my, I had to you buy. You had to buy all your sticks yes. with my allowance. Yes, I had to buy all my sticks <laughs> yeah, that I was making to... at McDonald's wow. money. Yeah, okay, I wasn't yeah. buying three hundred dollars sticks. Yeah, I I broke one. So I, I broke more than one goalie stick. I broke a couple, but. I had one where my Latvian grandfather, my vested, showed up. This is a guy who was in the war, okay? Uh, and he came up from working in the mines to become an engineer, okay? Like, greatest generation guy mm-hmm, to a Hard key. worker, yeah. My dad went and picked him up at the airport. I didn't know. And he came to my game, and I let in a bad goal. I was probably 15, and I smashed a stick over the post. Oh. I gave up a bad goal, and I looked, and it was in the corner and I just saw my Latvian vestige, oh, no. old and stern, just looking at me after I, and I obviously swore. Yeah. And I broke this stick like you, spoiled brat moment. <laughs> and I just locked eyes with them. And I, I've never. Heart in the feet. Oh, my God. The disappointment just yeah. radiating off of me. The thing is, he's, he was the most calm, cool, collected dude. He was never rage. I never saw him rage out. 
So you just, just knew it was just pure disappointment. You yeah. Just, you failed. Well, he was smart, too, so he would have been forgiving of it. He never yeah. gave me... I never got in the well, car, 15, and they were like, you, you know. idiot. Yeah. My dad was definitely pissed because he always wanted to impress that guy mm. and not me... Sucking at sport, breaking a stick, <laughs> swearing, being a triple powder. crown. I, you yeah, hit the it was triple a crown. tough moment for me, but I'll I'll carry that for. I never broke a stick again, not intentionally. Really? Yeah, yeah. No, never intentionally again. That was the last one I ever did where I broke it against the post. And I like, haven't done it in some years, but yeah, again, I did it for a while. An adult now, kind of. Anyway. Yeah, I know. Uh, no, I'm not. Are you a big breaker thing, Simon? Oh, no. Yeah. I'm going to internalize it and just let it ruin my yeah. day. Yeah, yeah. Just sit there si- silently stewing over it all day. But to be honest, when I see people do the break stuff in public thing, I go, what a freak. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's so weird. You know, like when, when you're like at your job and oh, like, my God, there's those a, free, people. a freak out guy where you're yeah. just like, what is this about? Oh, yeah. Guess what? P- public we meltdowns all know are... everybody in this room can imagine the freak out people at work right now. <sighs> hey, freak out people at work. We hate it. Yeah. <laughs> we never think you care more about the job or whatever. It's just yuck. Ugh. Yeah. No, public freakouts are embarrassing. Oh, my God. Seeing you pound a keyboard or Ugh. somebody, like, yelling or Ugh. freaking out. Yeah, <laughs> see, Simon's getting so the heebie-jeebies is in his arms. No, if you, I think if you do that move, that is like a you're at home by yourself move. Like freaking out, like it's just a childish thing to do. It is. It is. You got to be in control of your emotions to that degree. I think it actually is okay in the sporting sense. Every once in a while, every once in a while, you're having a horrific game. Whatever uh, the guy goes down. Who's the guy that beat the crap out of the water jug with a baseball bat? I can't remember who Uh, that was. Milton Bradley. I can't remember who it was. But either way, it happened, and every once in a while you can have that. You can have in the dressing room, especially guys kicking stuff over, breaking stuff. That's sports, right? You are playing a child's game. For profe- professionally, so you can do kind of a childish thing normally in other workplaces that doesn't work. If you're in a serious workplace and you have a meltdown, you're breaking stuff. Car- Carlos Gomez did it. Yeah, that's just embarrassment, embarrassment, embarrassment. Mm. So in sports, I think it's cool. Every once in a while, if it's directed, if you have someone who's doing it constantly, it just becomes lame like anything else. But yeah. if you pick your spots and you punch a hole in the whiteboard, that's kind of badass. And you're going, turn this game around. Well, you get like a bloody it's, fist. It's pure the emotion, yeah. right? It's stupid like it's... when it's like, remember, who was it? Was it KG that broke his hand or cut up his hand before the playoffs punching something? Yeah. I think it, it was. Those things are dumb where you hurt yourself, but for the most part, if you're a coach and you're breaking something to pr- prove a point and get people's attention, I don't mind that. But when it's Tom Izzo, too. Yeah, like, if he's breaking something, it's like you got to listen to If you're at work here or anywhere else and you break something. <laughs> like if, I, if, I, if I stand up and just punch my mic because I'm mad, it's jail. a little... <laughs> changes, punch your mic. <laughs> changes it. It was the first thing that was There's in front of me. There's a screen in front of you. Anyway, yeah, I don't... Right. I don't Pay like, for this. You know, you see those like break room things where you can go into a room and break stuff for a paid fee. That's I've done the, one of those. Yeah, but what did you feel? What are they called? Rage rooms? Uh, yeah, something like yeah, that. I, yeah, it, it was all right. I don't know. That's just, it's, for me, that's not, that's not going to do anything. Yeah, it wasn't like... I would try it just to see, just to like, what's this about? All right, let's try to fit in one more thing. Uh, so the World Baseball Classic was set in world yeah. record numbers, peaked over a million viewers for the, mm. the pool play, which is nice. Um, yeah, around 40 games, and that clears the entire Oakland Athletics home schedule from last year, and they, they got around 787,000 viewers. So World Baseball Classic, after people saying it was quote-unquote meaningless, clearly not, because clearly people care. Well, no, I th- yeah, I think the thing is, though, is it's such proof that baseball is regional. Mm, yeah, like we watch the Jays. We're not going to watch the Angels play. Yeah, same thing with this tournament where you go. I'm going to watch Team Canada, 
Mm-hmm. Have you guys watched any games other than this? I haven't. I've nope. watched some highlights. I've watched I'm a couple. Paying, I saw Trey Turner yesterday, and but I, you've been watching games. Part of it is that I, there's I've such a, a couple. Okay, part of it I'm sure is that there's such a competitive climate in terms of watching yeah. right now. Is uh-huh. that there's Leafs, Raptors, there's F1, there's NCAA March Madness, there's spring training baseball happening. There's just too much soccer. Y- yeah, sure. Sorry, TFC won. Shout out TFC. They did. Anyway, um, let's take. I, I just. I think that this is, if Canada was in it, we'd be watching, we'd be caring, but mm-hmm. when they're out, I'm not sure what the actual interest is in the Japan United and States. Mexico's going to be a good game. Yeah, sure. Again, it's if it was on and I, there was nothing else, I would watch it, but it's not appointment viewing for me. Anyway, mm-hmm. subscribe to the podcast, leave five stars, share it when you see it. Um, we will see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening.